I'm here today with the authors of a new book titled New Directions for Holy Questions, Progressive Christian Theology for Families, coming out from Morehouse Publishing. Claire Brown, one of the authors, is an Episcopal priest, writer, facilitator, and spiritual director. Claire is the author of numerous articles and book chapters and is the co-editor of Keep Watch With Me, an Advent Reader for Peacemakers. She's a graduate of Vanderbilt Divinity School, the School of Theology at Sewanee, and the Shalem Institute of Spiritual Formation. She lives in Athens, Tennessee. Anita Peebles, the other author of the book, serves as Associate Pastor for Next Generation Ministries at Seattle First Baptist Church. Also a graduate of Vanderbilt Divinity School, Anita was ordained by Glendale Baptist Church in Nashville, an Alliance of Baptist-affiliated congregation, and she now lives in Seattle. You can learn more about the book and the authors at newdirectionsforholyquestions.com. So Claire and Anita, it's so wonderful to meet you and to have you here with us to talk about your book. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So before we get into the book itself, maybe if each of you could tell us just a little bit more about your background uh, than what I had mentioned. So uh, Claire, you want to go first? Sure. Sure. So I um, live and work in Athens, Tennessee, as you said, which is um, the eastern part of the state and grew up actually not too far from here in northwest Georgia. Um, I didn't come through my childhood in the Episcopal tradition or in progressive Christianity, but grew up um, in more fundamentalist, fundamentalist evangelical strains of the Christian tradition. And uh Found my way through faith deconstruction and reconstruction, looking for more structured ways to wrestle with my big God questions, and headed to Vanderbilt Divinity School, which is really where I was able to articulate a call to ministry that had been nudging around my heart and mind since childhood. Of course, I was in communities where that wasn't possible. So it wasn't really until formal study that that call became a little more clear and articulated, and I found my spiritual home and uh, and call in the Episcopal Church. So this is my second congregation that I've served since I was ordained a priest, first in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a larger city, but still small, <laughs> in uh, Southeast Tennessee, and now um, in Athens, which is a small town in a rural community. Wonderful. Wonderful. Anita, how about you? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in mid Michigan and uh, I was, I grew up in the United Methodist church. um, But I also have over the years come to um, say that I grew up in an interfaith family um, because one side of my family was uh, very religious and went to church uh, all the time. And then, Uh, And then my other parent and their family just not really interested, like very much, um, uh, very much like scientific reason based, um, but with a really, a really deep, what I would call spirituality um, involved with nature. So, so I like from the, from the beginning of my life, I kind of had these two, these two things driving me. Um, And uh I had no intention of being a minister. Um, <laughs> honestly, a writer is what I wanted to be, like from when <laughs> I was a little kid. <laughs> so this is really exciting. Um, but uh, I eventually went to college at Oberlin in Ohio and um, 
that's when I learned that there was such a thing as progressive Baptists. Mm-hmm. And um, I had no idea. And then I really just found my home with Baptists. Um, and through uh, some cool work that I was able to do with the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America, Bautistas por la Paz, um, I moved to Nashville. And um, after I graduated from college and started going to this beautiful Baptist church and discerned that I felt called to go to Vanderbilt Divinity School and, um, and kind of, yeah, like similar to Claire, I think, like discovered my, my call to ministry or maybe finally listened after, (laughs) after being prodded for a while and, you know, having signposts around for a while. Um, And, uh, and so then I was ordained in, in 2018 and, and yeah, I'm, at Seattle First Baptist Church, uh, which is an American Baptist congregation, and um, and this is my first my first call. My I'm three and a half years into my first call uh, out of out of seminary. So, did the two of you meet at Vanderbilt Divinity School? Is that how you know each other? Well, actually, we met when I was doing my field education practical internship mm-hmm. at an organization called the Skerritt Bennett Center. Oh, sure. Yeah they had a uh, young adult fellows program of which Anita was a part and I was there to help structure their workshops, provide pastoral care. Um, So we met first in that context. And then when she matriculated, we were colleagues. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So um, let's get into the book. I mentioned that the title is new directions for Holy questions, progressive Christian theology for families. So what motivated you all to write that book. Claire, you want to start that story? Sure, sure. So there's kind of a a hinge point, Brian, uh, which is not long after the pandemic lockdown started. So my spouse and I are at home with our two toddlers, well, toddler and infant at that time. Uh, parenting, I'm pastoring, he's a community organizer, things were hectic, <laughs> as we remember. And uh, sometime after Easter, our family found some um, bunnies in our yard, and then our dog found them. And we know how that goes. Mm-hmm. And so with my young son, we had a bunny funeral. And then a few hours later, I found him out in the backyard, just sitting there, next to the the sweet little graves where we had had our tiny child service. And I said, what's going on? And he said, well, I'm waiting for God to raise the bunnies from the dead, like Jesus, (laughs) which is sweet. And also very challenging because (laughs) all of a sudden I, as a professional theologian and minister realize I have not communicated this well (laughs) to my (laughs) own child. (laughs) So I started looking for, ways to talk about these things with him as he was clearly reaching a new developmental stage of faith articulation and pondering and application and all of these great things that you love to see. And I couldn't find a resource that had the beliefs of Christian theology from a progressive lens that I felt comfortable using with him. Um, There are many fantastic children's Bibles from that lens that i I love and recommend to parishioners and use. Um, There were other resources that I was comfy with uh, that were more geared for curriculum in church use. But as far as what is language that I can adapt, put on, uh, talk about what is resurrection 
what does Easter mean? And some of these other more abstract concepts, I wasn't finding anything. So through starting to seek and look for resources and referrals, another friend recommended I get in touch with Wendy Claire Berry, who is a lay Episcopal writer, children's formation professional, incredibly excellent human being who was at the time working at church publishing. And so I got in touch with her thinking uh, maybe she could tell me where to look. And she said that she also had been looking and maybe it was time to make this. So through that conversation, I reached out to Anita. Uh, I know her passion and incredible gifts for children's ministry and work with children in other contexts. And so we teamed up and dreamed up the book that we have now. Wow. That's amazing. That's very cool. So um, who would you say that the book is most intended for? I think there's a few different levels of of folks uh, that this is intended for. Um, So we we specifically wrote it um, geared towards children and it's addressed towards children who can read on their own. Um, and it's at a, it's at a fairly, um, a fairly low reading level, like elementary reading level um, for the most part, you know, and we try to define all of the theology words that we use. Um, so that's, so that's one level. Um, but then we also really hope that families will use it with the children in their lives um, but also <laughs> then we have been talking about this project with people, um, with colleagues and friends and, you know, other professionals um, in ministry. And they're like, oh, you know, people who are new to Christianity or who have been going through some kind of um you know, social or justice oriented awakening um, and are now like trying to figure out what that means with their faith or how they read the Bible or how they understand what we do in church, that even for those adults, like that this might be an accessible book for them. Um, Because I think like, as Claire has already said, it's really like, what language do we have? How do we, how do we even talk about these huge questions of systematic theology? So, I think we really began thinking like this is for children and maybe there's a kid, you know, um, I'm thinking of specific children in my congregation um, who I would hand this to when they're asking like, what does baptism mean? Um, What is that whole thing about? Um, And they could read it themselves, but I think we really are now opening up (laughs) um, our, the scope of what we are, we even imagined um, really hoping that it will, that it will resonate with people across the board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Each chapter also has a little tiny summary that we identified as for younger children, but also pre-reading or non-reading children. That's a summation of each chapter's material. So even parents like myself, um, raising kids who were not yet at a reading level who could pick this up alone, could look through this book, have these two, three, four talking points about the big questions so that when they emerge on a random afternoon after a bunny funeral, <laughs> we've got that language already accessible for ourselves um, wherever we find our kids in their development and reading capability. So um, the three of us, before we started the interview, were talking about the large set of gaps that we all see relative to resources for 
you know, progressive Christian faith formation uh, for, for children and families. Which gap specifically, you know, do you see that this one addresses? Yeah, um, well, I'll start. <laughs> um, so as, uh, as a person working in children's ministry and, you know, always trying to keep, uh, keep on top of like what, what curriculum is coming out, what children's Bibles and Bible storybooks are coming out. Um, those are all fabulous resources that, that can mostly be used uh, in, in the church context or in a, in a faith community context. Um, but so much faith formation happens at home um, outside of the one or maybe two or maybe three hours um, that a child and their grownups are in a church every week. And so, um, so I think that is one of the, one of the gaps um, of just like, where's, where, where are kids doing the theology and having those reflection questions and life applications um, that, you know, relate to the Bible, but also relate to um, a spiritual practice, but also relate to maybe a, a story they heard in the news or something um, that they can really, you know, do that complex theological work in an accessible way um, outside of the Sunday school classroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll also add, um, it was really important for us as we jumped into what are the big questions that we want to, what are the holy questions that we need new directions for? Um, our first chapter and the first, you know, the first question we really need to be clear about is about identity and belonging. So this is also a resource for um, LGBT families for families that are working um, for racial justice, for environmental justice, and for whom questions of making the world a better place for healing our relationships and uh, healing our divides, something you are passionate about, (laughs) um, for those folks for whom that is not um, secondary to their faith, but completely a part of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We conducted some listening groups with parents and pastors before we began. And overwhelmingly, folks want their kids to grow up full of love and mercy and justice. Mm -hmm. And if that's not practically present and front and center, there is suspicion around any sort of religious practice or resource where that is not the case. So I think for us, we also see that weaving in those social commitments fills a gap in what's available for families. Very and being really explicit about those things um, and really specific and not, um, not shying away from, um, from uplifting certain stories that have, that have been passed to us or that have happened in, you know, in our orbit somewhere. Um, but really, really talking about, um, talking about sexuality, talking about race, talking about um, what does climate change mean right now? Um, Yeah. So um, as the title of the book indicates, this is a series of holy questions, right? So how did you decide which holy questions you were going to address in the book? You've already mentioned what some of them are, but I'm sure you had to make kind of a priority call, right? In terms of the X number of questions that you had wanted to select for inclusion in the book. How did you go about doing that? 
That's a great question. I think first we started with this sort of basic categories of classical theology, uh, the Trinity, <laughs> who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, and built out from there, um, we added a lot of chapters from the first book proposal as we discovered things like we need to talk about identity. Who am I? Needs to be a question we wrestle with. Um, Anita, what other things did we add as we went along? Um, we also really wanted to have stuff uh, around ethics, <laughs> you know, of how do we how do we treat each other? So there's a chapter on how do we care for each other? And then how do we care for the earth um, and bringing in that, that eco theology um, and, uh, and also some, uh, some chapters around um, things that we do in church, like our communal rituals, um, because those are things that kids are seeing um, and they are encountering and like, they might be wondering like, what is communion all about? Why do, why are we talking about this, this supper, you know, or, or encountering baptism um, or, you know, like Claire said at the beginning of this interview, like rituals around death and dying, like, how do we think about those? Um, what does Jesus death mean? You know, when we are encountering death in our own lives, um, you know, in those bunny funerals and, um, and in, you know, human funerals as well. And, um, yeah, so those were some things that we added. Um, I also specifically remember conversations um, that kind of arose from that Who Am I chapter um, where we're like, well, how do we talk about sin? And um, I think, <laughs> you know, this is my opinion that um, that a lot of white, you know, Anglo churches, um, particularly pro progressive churches, really don't talk about sin and um and are really kind of scared of talking about sin and so um and so you know given that so much of talk around sin is is focused on the individual and not really focused on communal sin um or you know which results in you know oppressions on this on this human level um you know we were like well do we talk about sin in the who am i chapter and we really said, you know, we want to do something else with this because really the ground of our being is belonging and belovedness. And that is where that is where we're completely starting from in this in this chapter. And so then we made the made the decision to have a chapter on sin and forgiveness and how how those two things are related. And and it was important for us to separate that out from um from being part of that, of that ground of being, um, in that, who am I chapter? Interesting. Interesting. So, um, the book includes a variety of different content types. So some are retellings of Bible stories. Some of them are spiritual practices, social justice stories, questions of reflection, things like that. Um, and obviously from, you know, our kind of conversation already, your, addressing some things that could have some controversy associated with it. Probably not every Christian is going to have the same answers to those questions as what you might be portraying in this book. So, I mean, is it too early for you to have gotten much pushback yet <laughs> since the book isn't quite released yet or, 
Are you just anticipating that? Or what, what are your feelings about um, addressing controversy? Honestly, Brian, I don't know that I am stealing myself for controversy. <laughs> um, folks who pick up this book will find that many of our chapters are still quite open-ended. Um, I'm thinking in particular of the really excellent chapter that Anita took lead on, What Happens When We Die? And she didn't back down from saying, no one can completely answer that question. Here are what we, here are some things we wonder about. Here are some things the Bible says. Uh, she leaned into the ambiguity and the impossibility of really nailing down <laughs> what we can expect. Uh, there are a lot of places in the book where we offer a variety of interpretations. Some people do this for communion. Some people do that. And that really arose, too, um, from our denominational differences when we realized, oh, we would, left to our own devices, write two very different chapters about baptism as a Baptist and an Episcopalian. So we need to refer to each other's traditions and ask what other perspectives we might need to point to. Mm -hmm. So hopefully folks will find enough openness and enough uh, of our posture of let's continue the conversation that they'll see some of their beliefs here, or if they find themselves landing differently, the freedom within this book to continue the conversation differently. Mm -hmm. I think too, you know, we, I don't think that we would say that we have any answers um, in, in these pages. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we really did want to keep things pretty open-ended and pretty much, you know, in, in that wondering space and saying like, this is a lifelong journey. Like you might think that you know something at this point, or like this idea or concept is really serving you well at this one point in your life, or this Bible story has this meaning to you right now, but keep coming back to it. And these uh, these questions of theology and these Bible stories and um, these, you know, things that we see going on around us in the world, like they, they work on you and they work in you. And so really, um, you know, this is a relationship and we, as the authors tried to accompany people and say like, you are not alone. You are not the first people who have asked these questions or who have had these thoughts. We are not the first people who have had these thoughts or had these questions, but, but let's go together and, you know, here are some options and here are some things that, that we can think about collectively and um, kind of evaluate based on what, what our values are. Um, for ourselves, for our families, and in our faith communities. Well, I love the approach that you guys are taking in terms of the openness, the open-endedness, the um, wonder, uh, and not trying to be um, dogmatic or dictatorial or authoritative, you know, in terms of trying to provide answers. You know, I think as many of us have learned, um, the opposite of faith is not doubt, the opposite of faith is certainty. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm really glad to, to hear uh, that, that approach that you guys are describing. So um, obviously from the subtitle of the book, you've included words progressive and Christian, right? So um, again, at least some uh, connotations 
uh, attributes associated with those words. Um, how did you choose to be clear about those? Yeah, those are both descriptors that were really non-negotiable <laughs> for us. Um, you know, if I can maybe speak to Christian first, um, I'm the first woman to lead the parish that I serve. And I am in rural Tennessee in a liturgical sacramental tradition. And there are probably many colleagues in ministry around me that would be suspicious or would think that our tradition, practice, belief are not part of the umbrella of Christian. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, uh, part of my journey to finding the Episcopal church and and loving my tradition and experiencing call in a way that I could follow was about knowing the family tree of the faith and knowing that these visions of sacramental practice, these visions of justice work in our community as a part of our worship and call is quite clearly traced back in the lineage of the Christian movement. So, for me to claim Christian unapologetically, um, to say, yes, I'm, I'm spiritual and I'm religious. I am part of this religious family. I'm part of this religious tradition and practice is really important to keep us in the conversation. Um, part of my deconstruction and reconstruction work in younger adulthood was also about not realizing that there were other ways of being Christian that there was only one path, one particular way of belief, practice, certainty, and to know that pondering, wondering, weaving together the resources of scripture and tradition and experience with contemplative practice is also a way of being Christian. Good, good, good. What about progressive? Um, you know, we've spoken a little bit about the about the values that are woven throughout um, that it really inform our theology and the theology that we talk about in the book. Um, and so, uh, I think that that's that's why we needed to say progressive. Um, I think there there are some folks um, out there who say that progressive Christians are not real Christians. You know, what, what is a real Christian? Um, and, and so this is really us, us owning the, the values and saying like these, these maybe are, um, you know, more progressive theology, um, ideas, you know, of how we, how we talk about God, the names that we use for God, the titles that we use for God, um, you know, affirming LGBTQ plus people um, and and their and their faith and their journeys um, and being on this journey, um, honestly, as to you know, to white women um, of being of being as anti racist as as we can be and being committed to that journey of of learning, which we know is going to be forever. You know, we're never going to arrive at that. And so those are all those are all pieces of our values that um that fall under progressive. And, you know, and I think we also, you know, we want to be honest about what folks are going to find in this um in this book. And if they've heard the word progressive, but they're not sure what that means, um, but they're not sure where they where they're fitting um, in, you know, in their local community or something like maybe they'll find something. Um, you can try it on. 
Yeah. I think progressive and Christian together capture Mm -hmm. our posture of rooted in Christ in our tradition and open, seeking, curious, in conversation, wondering, following new directions. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Glad to hear it. (laughs) Um, As one who views the world similarly. Um, So um, just to kind of summarize, is there one thing that you would like people to take away from the book? I really do think it comes down to um, what we've what we've already said. Where we start the book, um, you know, the the first words are, "You are beloved," beginning, middle, and end, and that's that's it. Like everything else, all the rest of those pages spring out from from that commitment, and you know, you are made in God's image, um, and that is that is a beautiful beautiful thing. And, and that's, that's really where I come, I come back to just extending, extending that, um, that knowledge that everyone, you know, that you are part of God's family. Yeah. This is a story of love that you are being drawn into or have been born into or are curious about. And if it's a story about love, then there is space for your questions. Good, good. So um, in addition to the book, you all have started a podcast. Would you like to tell folks about that? Sure, sure. Uh, When we finished writing, we knew we didn't want the conversations to be over. Um, As I said, we had had done listening groups with parents and pastors before beginning our writing. And honestly, that was one of the highlights of last year for me. It was such a delight to hear where people are, to hear their stories. And so we wanted to recapture some of that energy. So in our podcast, um, you'll find us continuing the conversation. It's geared for adults, whereas the book is written for uh, children to pick up and read. But uh, we'll be having an episode about each of the holy questions in the book for a 20-episode arc. Very cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to, to that. I, I think that's exciting and uh, you know, parallels a lot of the work that I'm doing as well. So that's great. So um, just to sum up again, the name of the book is New Directions for Holy Questions, Progressive Christian Theology for Families, uh, published by Morehouse Publishing. And you can learn more about the book and about Claire and Anita at newdirectionsforholyquestions.com. That's just all run together, no hyphens, no dots newdirectionsforholyquestions.com. So Anita and Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited about your work and uh, so glad that we had the opportunity to talk about it today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us.